Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. This is week three, the last couple of weeks. Week one, our pastor brought us the first message, and it was about how to deal with trials, James chapter one. Last week, I preached from James chapter two about what genuine faith looks like, and today we're jumping into James chapter three, and it's about taming the tongue, taming your tongue. You ever said something and immediately just wish you could just get the words back, just take it back? Have you ever had to live through the consequences of something you've said, something stupid in the moment that you let fly off the handle? We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about how to tame the tongue. Before we jump into James chapter 3, let's go back to James 1 and see what he says about this in verse 26. He says, if you claim to be religious but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. We live in a culture, a vicious culture today where, where people feel free and empowered to say whatever they want to whoever they want. It doesn't matter if who they're talking to is an authority figure or if what they're saying is rude or, or mean or aggressive. People just say whatever they feel. We have a culture of commenting. If you look on social media, literally, it does not matter what somebody is posting about. It could be, I had some great waffles this morning at Waffle House, there's going to be an argument about how IHOP is better in the comment section. <laughs> we just live in this very confrontational culture right now. And James, in chapter three, he shows us three ways that shows us how powerful our tongue is, how powerful our words are. And the truth is, when we look in scripture, God takes this a lot more seriously than I think sometimes you and I take this. He takes our, our words and our tongue more seriously because I think as Christians, you know, we, we kind of categorize sin. We have the big bucket, right? Like murder, adultery, those are, those are the really bad sins, right? Then we have like this gray area where there's lying, but it's white lies, <laughs> gossiping, but I just need to know how to pray for them. That's all it is. <laughs> Boasting. Pride, God actually takes those things very seriously. He has them in a bigger pile than, than we do, in a bigger bucket than we do uh, sometimes. There's actually a place in Scripture, in Proverbs chapter 6, where the Bible says there are six things that God hates. Three of them have to do with our tongue. Three of the six things that the Bible says God hates have to do with our words and the things that we speak. The book of Proverbs, it's called the, the wisdom book. It's mostly about the tongue. It's mostly about controlling what you say. It's, it's about the power of our words. And there is wisdom in learning to control your tongue. The Old Testament, the New Testament, there's so many parts of the Bible that deal with how to tame our tongue, with how to control our words. So let's look at the three things that James teaches us about the power of the tongue. The first one is this, that my words will determine my direction. The words I speak will determine the direction of my life. The words that we receive that are spoken over us, 
either the words we speak or the words that other people speak towards us, those words that we receive determine our direction. And I know that you care about the direction of your life. I certainly care about the direction of my life. I certainly care about what my future looks like for my family. And so I know you care about that. And if we care about our future, if we care about the direction of our lives, then we should care about the words we speak. We should be very careful of how we speak about ourselves and also about others. James chapter three, verses three and four say this. We can control very large horses by putting a small bit into their mouths. Now, just side note, my daughter, she, she did a little rodeo. She's eight years old. She does barrel racing and stuff. Very impressive. Well, one, I, listen, I am not that kind of Texan dad that's like comfortable around horses. I'm not, okay? I can play, I can like ride a horse on a video game. That's about it. I had to help her one time in the stalls and like taking care of the horses and getting her saddle on everything. It was intimidating. You know why? These horses are large and they are 99.9% muscle. And I knew standing that close to this horse, like if, if he wanted to, he could crush me at any moment. And here James says, we have these large, strong horses that we can control by putting a small bit in their mouth. By controlling their mouth, you can turn the whole animal whatever direction we want it to go. He gives another example. He says, take ships as an example. A tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. And I know that this is true in my own life because there have been times in my life and seasons of my life and years of my life where I have had negative influences and negative words spoken over me so much that the negative words that were spoken over me got into my mind and got into my heart and started dictating the way that I lived my life. And soon my, my own language and the words that I would speak about myself started matching the words that were being spoken over me. And it, it, it directed my life into a very negative place. And my parents, my parents have always spoken life over me. They've always spoke words of life and love. But there were other influences, other influences that I've had in my life at different times that were not positive and were not full of life and were not full of love. And I know how those negative words can get into your heart. And this is why I think Life Kids Ministry is so important. What, what greater opportunity to pour into the next generation could there be than just spending an hour and a half with these kids on Sunday morning? And, and you know, we have a whole plan in place. We have a service flow for our life kids at every campus. The team, they're, they're running the play. They're singing the songs. They're teaching the lessons. But you know what they get to do? They get to look at these kids and say, God has a plan for your life. God loves you. Jesus loves you. I'm so proud of you. What an awesome opportunity to be part of that team that every week we can just pour into these kids and speak words of life. Because who knows what our kids are hearing at school, if they're being bullied, or if they're, if they're in, getting involved in conversations that are not healthy. And, and we have an hour and a half on Sunday morning, unless you, unless you bring your kids to to our student services that happen on Wednesdays at every campus, plug for life students. 
hey, if, you're, if your student is in high school or even junior high, bring them on Wednesday nights. Let them be involved with the small group of students meeting at their campus. 7 p.m., right, Pastor Nick? Is it 7 p.m.? 7 p.m. at League City, at Houston, and at Friendswood. Every Wednesday is uh, our, student, our student small groups. So make sure your student is getting there. Life groups, sorry. Life groups. You see how hard it is to retrain your tongue after you've been speaking certain things? They're life groups, not small groups. I encourage you, next week is our Discover Life event. This is an awesome opportunity for you to join that team that I'm talking about. This, can I just say something that's going to step on some toes? It's going to be a little controversial. You ready? I think if you have a student, a child in our Life Kids ministry, that you should go to the team and just tell them, hey, you know what? One Sunday a month, I want to come back here and serve on the team. I did not get a lot of amens for that. <laughs> Friendswood in Houston, I'm believing that I heard a lot of amens there. If you have a child that's part of our Life Kids ministry, if, if they're in elementary, if they're in pre-K, if they're in the nursery, one Sunday a month, just next week, come to Discover Life and say, hey, I want to do that, what Pastor Bo was talking about. One Sunday a month, I'll go and, and rock the babies. One Sunday a month, I'll come in and play with the, the pre-K, the crazy three and four-year-olds. I'll play with them. One Sunday a month, I want to help our elementary service. I want to help with worship. I want to help however I can. You know how much it would bless the Life Kids ministry if the parents that had kids in that ministry would say, hey, one Sunday a month, I'm available to help. You don't have to lead the lesson if you're not comfortable doing that, but it's an awesome opportunity for you to be able to stand next to a bunch of children that need to hear God loves them, that need to hear God has a plan for their future that need to hear from, from multiple people telling them God loves you, Jesus is for you, he will never leave you nor forsake you, he has a plan for your life. You can be part of that, of doing that. So I encourage you, that was my little, that was my plug for Discover Life and Life Kids. I love it. If I'm not preaching, you know what, I've just made up my mind. If I'm not preaching on a Sunday, I'm going to be in Life Kids. I'm going to be over there helping serve and taking care of those kids and leading them in worship. And it's fun. I, I did it here a couple weeks ago at League City. It's challenging. <laughs> it's so important. It's so important. I, I'm, while I'm on the soapbox, I'm just going to stay here, all right? Jesus looked down at the harvest. He looked out at a crowd of people. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion because he looked at all these hurting, broken, lost people. And he told his disciples, you need to pray that the Father will send workers and laborers into the harvest field. Because look at all these people. There's so many people like sheep without a shepherd. Are we going to miss that the next generation is a harvest field for you and I? Don't, don't take for granted that just because your kids grow up coming to church that they are not the harvest field. You are discipling them and growing them. Be involved and active in that spiritual growth that, that happens in life, kids. That happens at student service. The greatest thing you can do as a parent is not all the extracurricular stuff. It's pouring into your children spiritually. Pouring into them, teaching them the word of God. Teaching them how to pray. Don't rely on the teachers alone. Okay. All right. See, this is why I wind up preaching an hour every time. Because I just go on these tangents. All right, parents, I'm about to help you out now. Young people, be careful what you say about your parents. Be careful about the way you speak about your parents. 
I say young people, but really, this is everyone, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 20, if someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. The lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. The lamp, the Bible uses this metaphor as the lamp. That is the light that directs our path. The Bible says your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So this light that directs us, it's the word of God. The Bible also says that if you speak dishonor towards your parents, that the light is snuffed out. Why? Because it's not just that your words are dishonoring. It's not just that words are disrespectful. It's because words, everybody listen, the words we speak turn into our mindset. The mindset that we have turns into a heart issue. You're speaking dishonor and anger and resentment and and then you have in your heart hate and bitterness and unforgiveness and negativity and defeat and the word, the lamp is snuffed out because in your heart you're living with bitterness and anger. Now not everybody comes from a healthy family unit. Not everybody had parents that should be honored and God knew that. God knew that it would be difficult to honor your parents, but he's not saying it for our parents' sake. He's saying it for your sake. Because if you're speaking words of anger and hate and bitterness and resentment, it's destroying your heart. So maybe your parents don't deserve honor. Give it to them anyway. At least honor them by not saying what you actually want to say. Because in the long run, it's going to help your heart. That's the wisdom of the word of God. And this is why when God gives this commandment, honor your father and mother, he adds a promise to it. We see it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. God says, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this isn't like some kind of magic, like, well, if you honor them, you're going to live a long time. No, he's saying it because he knows that honoring and the words that we speak, it's, it's for us. It's for our heart. It's for, our, it's for our minds. God is directing you and trying to save you from a, a life of resentment, anger, bitterness, and disappointment by telling us to be mindful of the way that we speak. So parents, be careful of the way you speak to your children. It's kind of funny. If you look in the Bible, God gives this commandment to honor your father and your mother And then the next commandment is, you shall not murder. I think he's trying to, he's like, hey, kids, honor your parents. Parents, do not kill your kids. Because sometimes you might feel like it. My kids are watching right now at home. They're sick. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Scarlett, I, no, I love you. You're amazing. Be careful of the way we speak to our children. As a parent, it is your job to bring correction and to bring order, and to bring discipline, and to reprimand or rebuke our kids when when it's needed. But never speak words of hate. Never speak words of death. And, And I'm preaching to myself, okay? I'm preaching to myself right now. When we do have those moments where we have to reprimand, and discipline, and and rebuke, always point your children towards who God has called them to be, and who you know they can be. If your words are full of hate and death and you're so stupid and I can't believe you did that, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so ashamed of you, you're tearing your kids down. Speak life to your kids. Think of 
the children of Israel, talking about how powerful the tongue is, the children of Israel, they're trying to get to the promised land. They, they had been freed from slavery in Egypt, and now they're coming to the land that God had promised them. And so they send 12 spies, one from each tribe in Israel. They send 12 recon troops into Canaan to get a report about the enemy, to get a report about the cities that the enemy has built and are living in. And 10 of those 12 spies, they came back with a negative report. 10 of the 12, overwhelming majority. They come back saying, we can't do it. They had a negative report about it. They had a negative confession about it. How many times have we spoken a negative report over our lives? Friendswood, Houston, I know in my own life, I struggle with this. I struggle with this because I'm very critical of myself. And so if I do something and I know I made a mistake, I am beating myself up. I'm going home and I'm telling my wife, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I didn't do this. I can't believe I let this happen. I can't believe I didn't see this happening. And I can get in this routine of just saying these things of I'm worthless. I'm no good. I'm stupid. I'm, I'm, I can't do this. That's a negative confession. These 10 that came back with a negative report, they were spreading that negative report all among the Israelites. You know what happened? They didn't go into the promised land. In fact, an entire generation died. The entire generation that spoke the negative report and believed the negative report died before going into the promised land, except the two guys that said, no, we can do it. Numbers chapter 13. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb, he, this is my favorite person in the Old Testament is Caleb because he's just tenacious, ruthless, like he's not looking for any kind of position. He's just a warrior at heart. He's faithful. He's obedient. He quiets the people. Everybody's hearing this negative report of, oh, the enemy, they're so big. They, they, their, their cities are impenetrable. We can't, we can't do it. And Caleb says, let us go up at once and take possession for we are able. We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him, these 10 that had the negative report, they said, well, we're not able to go against the people. They're stronger than we are. And that negative report prevented an entire generation from inheriting the promise of God. There's a lot of negativity in our society today. A lot of negativity in our culture today about social issues, politically, about our economy, about things happening just in our, in our own uh, communities, a lot of fighting, bickering. My goodness, is anybody part of like your neighborhood Facebook page? Don't. Oh, man. Some people use that just to tell on their neighbors or take pictures. Somebody dog pooped in my yard and they didn't clean it up. Here's a picture of them. Shame on them. Tell your HOA. Don't, don't tell everybody else. All right. Did you know that a lot of Christians can't even seem to agree? A lot of, what? What? No way. Not at Life Church. A lot of Christians can't even get along today. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the kind of person that is a, we're not able to do this kind of person. Easier said than done, right? Because there's a lot of things we face in our jobs, with our families. There's things I'm facing right now where I'm looking at something and looking at the future and my mind is saying, we can't do this. I can't do this. It's impossible. 
I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want to speak those kinds of words. God, forgive me for the doubt that I've allowed to come from my mind and out into the world through my mouth. God, forgive me for it because I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be a person full of faith that says this looks difficult, but if it's God's will and he is with us, we can do it. We can surely do it like Caleb. I want to be like Caleb. I don't want to be like these 10 that say, oh, they're too big. They're too strong. We can't do it. I don't want to live that kind of life. We shape our words. Our words shape us. We shape our words and then our words shape us. All right, let's look at the second thing James teaches about the power of the tongue. Your words can destroy what you have. No, you don't have to take a hammer to your house. You can destroy your family with your words. The words that we sometimes can throw around so loosely have the power to destroy marriages, to destroy careers, to destroy your kids. James chapter five, or I'm sorry, James chapter three, verses five through six. James says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Listen to, listen to this, what James is saying. Your tongue is a fire. Your tongue by itself is a world of evil among the other parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James does not pull any punches. He doesn't leave any confusion for anything. In 2018, I was reading a story about this. I'm sure many of you remember in 2018, this terrible wild, wildfire that happened in California. One of the worst wildfires and most destructive wildfires in recorded history. And they conducted a very thorough investigation trying to figure out what caused this fire. They traced it back to one person using a metal hammer, hammering in a metal tent peg. And one spark from that metal hammer and metal tent peg set a fire that destroyed half a million acres, destroyed 300 stru uh, structures, homes and buildings, and one person died as a result of this fire, started by a little spark. I wonder how many times that we have let sparks fly from our mouth thinking that it's no consequence, that it's no big deal, it's just a little thing, a little word here, a little gossip here, a little insult here. And without us knowing it, these sparks that are flying loosely from our mouths are starting wildfires. Before we know it, there's a fire that's destroying our own lives, our minds, our hearts, our family, our marriage, our career, our job, causing fires in other people's lives, causing them to have insecurities and, and depression, The tongue is more powerful than we understand. I said before, we live in a culture where it's just comment, comment, comment. Say, speak your truth. Say what you want. Say how you feel. You know what? It's just really, it's just tied to emotions. It's just this, in our culture, it's like, whatever you feel, just go for it. Like, if you're, if you're living your life where your emotions are in control, you're going to live a terrible life. If you cannot control your emotions and keep your emotions in check, and keep the anger in check, the jealousy in check, the fear in check, the anxiety in check, 
If you, if you cannot control whenever you're feeling something out of anger that you really want to say to that person and you just always let it fly off the handle, you're going to live a very unhappy life. You're going to live a life full of broken relationships. You're going to live a life where nobody at your job looks forward to working with you. All of this is just tied back to letting our emotions control us. That's not the way we need to live our life. In fact, our emotions betray us. Because in one moment you can feel very passionately about something and feel very justified because you think you're right or you know you're right and you might be right. And in that moment you might want to say some things that are very destructive. And then if you wait 30 minutes, you're calmed down and you say, man, I'm really glad I did not act on that anger that I was feeling 30 minutes ago. If you're caught in that cycle where you just react to your emotions, pray that the Holy Spirit would give you peace in those moments. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom for those moments. Pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the strength that you need to keep your emotions in check. Because your emotions are a very good thing and healthy thing because they help us interact and live in this world, but they should not control you. The enemy knows how powerful our words are. That's why he wants to get us speaking negative things over ourselves. He wants to get us speaking critical things towards our spouse. He wants us to say critical things towards our kids. Because the enemy knows how powerful words are. And in our culture right now, there's such a strong movement that is trying to compel people to say things that aren't true. Compel people to say things that are lies. Because the enemy knows if he can get you speaking lies, he can get into your mind and he can get into your heart. Because words are powerful. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. Too much talk leads to what? Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people that go home this afternoon and just keep telling your husband or wife, be sensible, please. Just know that's a really polite way for them to say, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Be sensible. Sometimes you just need to know when to shut up. Amen. Like me when I preach too long. All right, let's go. It's not just about the amount of what you say, but it's also the direction. It's also the direction of your words. It's, not, it, it's okay if you don't like certain things. It's okay if at the job there's people that you don't agree with. It's okay if you're working on a project with, something, with someone that has a different vision for the project than you do. That's okay. It's okay for your boss to do things you don't like. It's okay for your spouse to do things you don't like. But you don't have to go down a certain direction with your words every time something happens that you don't like. Because what I mean by going in certain directions with your words is somebody does something you don't like, so you go tell so-and-so about it. So-and-so, Billy at work, he has nothing to do with the situation, nor does he have any kind of influence or authority to fix the situation. So you going to Billy with your complaints, you know what the Bible calls that? Gossiping. It's complaining. So be careful with your directions. If your words are not going in the right directions, it's, com it's complaining, it's gossiping, and it can be dissension. On the job, your boss doesn't do things the way you like, 
can't stand the guy, you can't stand the lady, so you talk to all your coworkers about it. Soon it just causes this culture of dissension where there's no respect for the boss. Nobody wants to do what they say. You actually start looking for ways to undermine the boss. It can happen in the church. I've seen it happen in the church. I grew up in church. Somebody has something they don't like about the service, the music, the noise level, preaching, preachers too long, don't like it, what happens? They go to two or three people that, that they think is going to agree with them and they start talking. And, and before you know it, there's a whole petition put together and, and, and this dissension that has happened out of gossip. This is what I say to that. Be stingy with your negativity, but generous with your praise. Be stingy with your negativity, but generous with your praise. So if you have negative opinions, if you have complaints, and, and like I said, it's okay to not like things. It's okay to have opinions and complaints, but you need to handle it the proper way. The proper way is going to the person that can fix it or the person you have an issue with and telling them, hey, you did this and I didn't appreciate it. Hey, you're doing it this way. I think it would be better if you did it this way. That's how you handle things appropriately. That's how you go to the, that's how you keep things going the right direction. And if you're not going to do it that way, then keep your opinions and your complaints to yourself. But when someone does something that deserves recognition, when someone does something that deserves a, a praise and compliments, and I'm not talking about the kind of praise that God gets. He's the only one that gets that kind of praise. I'm talking about telling somebody, great job. I'm really proud of you. You led the team really well. Pastors Nick and Kendra, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys have done an awesome job leading this campus, helping get this campus launched. You worked so hard. All of our campus pastors, all of our life family, I'm so proud of you. Generous with your praise. Even if they're not in the room. If, if pastors Nick and Kendra weren't in the room, guess what? I'm still going to talk to people about them and say, I'm so proud of them, the way they lead. Be generous with those things, but the negative things, be stingy. All right, third thing that James tells us is that your words actually reveal your heart. The words you speak reveal your heart. I see so many people taking notes. I'm so glad. Have you ever heard the expression that what's coming out of the bucket is what's in the, in the well? So whatever you're pulling up from the well that's in the bucket, guess what? That's, it's at the source. The bucket doesn't have its own water system. So whatever's down in your heart, that's what's coming out. Whatever's going on internally, spiritually with you, emotionally with you, that's what's coming out. So maybe we just need to do a little self-evaluation and just kind of, let's think back to the last week at the kind of words that we've spoken over ourselves, the words we've spoken over our kids, our spouse, the words we've spoken on the job to others about our boss, whatever the situation might be, have you been speaking life or have you been speaking death? Have you been speaking peace or have you been speaking hate and anger? Because whatever your words are, that's revealing what's happening in your heart. If we're constantly full of nasty language, crude, lewd, inappropriate jokes, I have to tell you a little pet peeve of mine. I can't stand being around a, a group of guys who are married making sexually inappropriate jokes. And what I think is, if you're the kind of guy who's married 
and you have a family and you entertain those jokes and you speak those jokes, there's something going on in your heart that you need to check because it could lead somewhere you don't want it to lead. James chapter three, verses nine and 10. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in his image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I know that I've sang songs of worship on Sunday morning and then I've gone to lunch and gossiped all afternoon. I've shared our, our church live feed on my Facebook page and then I've argued with people in the comment section. <laughs> I hope none of y'all have seen my, my spontaneous rebuttals to people from time to time on Facebook and YouTube because I'll leave them. Some trolls will come on our page and say something stupid and I'll comment and then five minutes later be like, well, I got to delete that before someone from the church sees it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for wisdom. Okay. James is, is showing us here that if we're going to use our mouth and our words to praise God, we shouldn't use that same mouth and tongue to then go and curse the people that God loves. The people that are so different than you, that don't agree with you about anything, that you think are degenerates and scum of the earth, God loves them. And he's actually reaching for them. And he might be trying to reach for them through you. So don't praise God one moment and then use your mouth to curse someone the next. James 3 Verses 11 and 12 says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now the Bible uses this metaphor of, of springs, of fresh water springs, salt water springs. It's always a metaphor for what's happening in your heart. This, this, the Bible uses spring to talk about what's happening in our heart. And James says the real problem isn't your tongue, it's your heart. James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 say this, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Unfortunately, Life Church. Houston, Friendswood, League City. Unfortunately, our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Not only are our hearts deceitfully wicked, they are beyond our ability to fix on our own. But it's not beyond God's ability. Without God, your tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So what are we supposed to do? Here's three things that can help you tame your tongue. Three things. Number one is allow God to change your heart. Because remember, the issue is not your tongue, really. It's what's happening in your heart. And if you will allow God to transform your heart, the way you speak will be transformed. Some people approach Christianity from the, a purely logical or, or mental standpoint. Uh, trying to understand intellectually God and, and their belief system is wrapped up in, in, in the, the logical things. But Christianity goes far beyond intellectual understanding and some kind of mental belief. It's an experience because you can't fake being a peaceful person. You can't fake being forgiving. You can't fake being patient. You experience these things by living out your faith. 
Knowing God's word doesn't change you. Living God's word changes you. And if your heart, if you're wondering, well, I've grown up in church, but I still, I have tons of broken relationships. I can't seem to get this under control. I'm always making these mistakes. If your heart isn't changed, it doesn't matter how much you go to church. If your heart isn't changed, if you are not allowing God to transform you, everything about you from the inside out, if your heart is not changed, it doesn't matter how much you read your Bible. Scripture tells us that we, if we are in Christ, we're a new creature. The old is gone, the new is here. Every now and then, the old bow will knock on the door. And sometimes I'm stupid enough to open it. That's not who I am anymore. I don't talk like that. I don't think like that. I don't act like that. I'm going to keep him dead by living out my faith and living out the word of God. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Now, when God spoke this, the way people would know God at this time that this was referring to is by following God's law because it had not been, uh, they hadn't gotten to where the Holy Spirit was poured out where you and I now can be full of the Holy Spirit, where, where we don't have to follow a set of rules, but when we allow God to transform our hearts, we live God's law out of delight. When, when God transforms your heart, you want to live God's way. And when God transforms your heart and you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you do something that grieves God, you will be grieved. You will be convicted, not out of shame or condemnation of, oh, I messed up, I'm supposed to act this way, but then I acted this way. No, it will grieve you because you know, that's not who I am. That's not the life I'm called to live. That's called conviction. That's why it's important that when, as a, as a follower of Christ and as a believer, when you have those moments when you have those moments where you know you say something or do something and it just doesn't sit right with you, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, no, not that way, come this way. You have to be in tune with those things. You have to be able to recognize those things. It's not about what we have to do, it's about who we are. If you allow God to change your heart, ask him to do it every day. If you've allowed God to work on you and you, you can look back at your life and say, I know I've grown because that's who I used to be and look where my life is now. Don't rest. Every day, ask God, continue to transform my heart, Lord. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth, we say this every Sunday, Life Church. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, you see how linked they are, your words and your heart? Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You cannot separate your words from what's going on in your heart. The second thing that James talks about is to put a filter on what you allow in your heart. So if you're allowing God to transform you, you got to also be aware of what you're allowing into your heart. Part of allowing God to transform you is to look at the things that you might be involved in or the things that you're doing and say, I know these things don't honor God and I want him to transform my heart. 
So I'm not going to do these things. Put a filter on what you allow in your heart. That means what you watch and what you listen to and what you look at and the conversations you're involved in and the jokes that I was talking about. Are you involved in those things? Are there some areas of conversation? Are there some text threads you need to leave? Are there some people that you just need to stay away from? Are there some conversations you just shouldn't be in? Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 35 says, says that, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. The things you watch, the things you listen to, the conversations you're involved in, the things you're watching when you don't think anybody knows, you're storing up either good or evil. And whatever you're storing up is what's going to come out of your mouth. And you don't need me to be your Holy Spirit. I listen to some secular music. Sometimes when I go to the gym, I put on some music, and if a song comes on that the Holy Spirit says, this is not good for you to listen to right now. I'll change the song, remove it from my playlist. Be in tune with those things. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you you can't listen to any secular music. Rock and roll is a devil, you can't listen to it. <laughs> there probably are some things you shouldn't listen to. And there probably are some shows you should not watch. My, my wife and I, we don't watch anything that has nudity in it. And I'm just throwing that out there because there's a lot of very popular shows in culture right now with a lot of violence and nudity. My wife and I, we don't watch that stuff. If you have VidAngel, great, use it. Filter what goes into your heart. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Then in order to tame the tongue, we can do this. Decide to speak words of life. We can change our world if we do this. Just decide to speak words of life. Musicians can join me on stage. If you just make up your mind, you're gonna speak words of life to your spouse, to your kids, husbands and wives. Understand the power of your words. If you're married, I want you to listen right now. Understand the power of your words. Another thing, while I'm telling you that my list of things that irk me, something that really bothers me is when spouses dishonor each other in front of others. Even if it's like a joking kind of banter, I, I hate that. Because if they're willing and able to say that in front of people, what's, what's happening when it's just the two of them? Don't dishonor your spouse in front of others. And certainly, don't dishonor your spouse when you're at home. Ladies, your words carry so much power for your husband. Your words carry so much weight. In fact, this is what I believe the reason that God created us male and female for each other is because, I know this as a man, I need my wife's words of affirmation. I need my wife telling me that she's proud of me, that she believes in me. And maybe you have this vision Wives, for what your husband should be spiritually, what he should be on the job, the way he should be, you're not going to help him get there 
if you're constantly pointing out all the ways that he is not that person. Instead, if you will speak to those moments where you see the man that God has called him to be, speak to those moments, reinforce those moments because your words carry power. Husbands, the Bible tells us to love our wives the way that Christ loved the church and he died for the church. Be careful with your words. You are the protector. Not just physically, you protect the heart of your family. You protect the unity of your family. How can we speak words of life? I'll give you five ways very quickly. Speak words of affection. Macho men, tell your kids, I love you. Grab your son by the shoulders, look him in the eye, tell him you love him and that you're proud of him. He might need it more than you know. Fathers, tell your daughters, you are so beautiful. You are so special and precious. My daughter, Imogene, is two. And we're entering this really amazing time. And, and I have an older daughter as well, Scarlett. She'll be nine in a couple weeks. And I, I just remember there's such a special stage, especially for fathers and daughters, where they're becoming a little more aware. And she loves now, Imogene, she loves putting on like pretty dresses. She calls them princess dresses. And I remember the first time this happens, like I could tell something changed in her mind. She, she had a different kind of awareness about what I was saying. She had on this little tutu and she was, mom fixed her hair all pretty and she came in to show me and I just, you know, I went super extra. I was just like, oh my goodness, you are so beautiful. And I just went on and on about how beautiful she was and she got this look on her face where she was kind of embarrassed but she was smiling and she went over to the mirror and she's looking at herself and she's just smiling. And it was the first time where she connected the words that I was speaking to her. She could go in the mirror and see those things. Speak love. Tell, you know what I try to tell my wife almost every day? I, we're sitting on the couch at the end of the day. I, I always try to do this, just tell her, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that I get to do this life. With, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so proud of you. I don't know where I would be without you. I can't imagine life without you. There are some people that have trouble speaking this way because of pain, dysfunction, your past, maybe your own family situation, maybe your own relationship with your parents. It was not great. So now you're in the situation where it's hard for you to say those kinds of things. I just feel to stop right here and pray, Lord, if that is what's happening in the hearts of our people today, if someone has so much pain, if someone has so much pain and damage from maybe things that were said to them or not said to them when they were younger, Holy Spirit, work a healing in their hearts and in their minds today. Work a healing in them. God, help them overcome that pain and regret and disappointment. Help them overcome that so that they can see the power that they now have and the influence that they now have as a husband or wife or as a parent or a coworker, where they can speak words of life, where they can speak words of affection. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can also speak words of praise. Words of praise. I talked about it earlier. Hey, great job. I'm so impressed by you. One of the most challenging 
times and one of the most important times for you to speak words of praise is when, especially as a parent, when your children fail at something. When they come in second place and not first. Or when they come in dead last. Words of praise. I'm really proud of the way, the effort that you gave. I'm really proud of the way that you've worked hard for this moment. Proverbs 25 and 11 says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. It's like somebody bringing you a plate of golden apples on a silver dish. It's beautiful and valuable. A word aptly spoken to someone of praise is beautiful and valuable for that person. You can speak words of encouragement. Hey, Life Church, Houston, Friendswood, hey, I know it's tough out there. I know it's hard to be a believer sometimes. I know it's hard to live out your faith sometimes. I know it's hard to resist temptation sometimes. I believe in you. I believe in this church. And I know you can do it. Words of encouragement. Speak it to your spouse. Speak it to your coworkers, your kids. These are words of life. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may be that it may benefit those who listen everything that you say can either build up or tear down so build people up with encouragement number four words of healing proverbs 15 4 says the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life a tongue that brings healing how can that work Speak words of healing to those that you know around you are dealing with sickness and pain. And it doesn't mean it has to be physical sickness and pain. If there are people around you that you know are hurting, if there's people around you that you know are dealing with depression or despair or anxiety or fear, speak words of healing to them. Pray for them. Like Pastor Nick said here at League City, the point of emphasis for our life family this week, for our team, everyone that serves, is this value that connects back to loving people, and that is that we pray for each other. That's what, actually, James says, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. He says, lay hands on one another and pray for each other and you will be healed. Speak words of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we must be careful not to talk too much about the things we see. And we should talk about the things that we can't see. Because even when you can't see it, God is working. Even when you don't feel it, God is working. It's easy to get caught up talking about the things that we can see. But let's speak words of faith. When it comes to people, don't talk about them from what you see, but who they could be, who they can become, how God can turn things that were meant for evil into the good for people. Speak words of faith. Romans chapter four, verse 17. Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Speak to things that you cannot see. Please stand with me here, League City, Friendswood, Houston. 
At this time, I would invite our prayer partners at every campus. I invite our prayer team to please take your places. Life Church family, this is what I want to do. I'm just going to end with a simple prayer. And then at every campus, we have prayer team partners that are available to partner with you in prayer. And I know that sometimes this can be an intimidating moment where it takes a lot of guts to step out and go forward. It takes a lot of, there's a lot of pressure because you feel like everybody's going to look at you. I promise, I promise you, nobody's judging you for needing prayer. But this is a special moment. And this is a moment we believe in here at Life Church. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of you going to someone and confessing, saying, this is what I need prayer for. This is what I'm struggling with. Your words have power. So whatever is going on in your heart, get it out. This is my struggle this week. This is my problem this week. This is what I need prayer for this week. The Bible says if we lay hands on you, we'll anoint you with oil. We'll pray over you. There's power in that. That's faith in action. So I'm going to pray for every campus. And when I say amen, I'm handing it back over to our worship team here, worship team at the other two campuses. That is your invitation. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at these other campuses, step out. Maybe there's been some words spoken over you. Maybe there's been some words spoken over you that have really damaged your heart, left you with a lot of baggage that you need to be freed from. These are the moments where that can happen. So when I'm finished with my prayer, I invite you to find a prayer team partner. Lord, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, the wisdom that we find in your word. We thank you for the richness in this book of James that we are studying. And Lord, we recognize today the power of our tongue. Let us bring our mouths into submission to you. Let us rein in these tongues that sometimes act like wildfire. Let us rein them in and only bring you glory with everything that we say. God, I pray that you would bring conviction where it needs to be brought in the hearts and our minds of the things that we are speaking. Help us see the ways where we have been speaking death and not life. Help us see the ways where we have received negative words that you have not spoken over us, but that the enemy is speaking over us. Help us to stop living under the enemy's words and instead live under the words you speak over us. Lord, the Bible says that you sing a song over us. Help us live in your words, God. Help us through our words to be a light for you. God, help us to put that filter on our heart. As you're doing a work in us and as you are transforming us from the inside out, help us see the ways we need to put a filter. Help us see the things that are dishonoring to you that, that are hindering us from having that growth. Every person under the sound of my voice, all of the Life Church family, help us this week. Don't let this word go in one ear, one ear and out the other, but instead let us take it, receive it, digest it. Let the Holy Spirit work it in our hearts so that we can live it. So that this can become who we are. That we speak words of life. We speak words of faith. We speak words of healing. We speak words of love towards people, Lord. Help us be that kind of person. And for everyone that's dealing with pain, or resentment, 
Lord, everyone who while I was preaching had memories in their mind of words of anger and hate that were spoken to them when they were a child. Every person in this room whose father spoke to them words of death, whose mother spoke to them words of death. Every person in this room who has dealt with bullying or abuse and has had so much hate spewed upon them, God, I pray that today they would find their healing in Jesus' name. That, that, that those chains would be loosed in the name of Jesus, that they would no longer walk around in a cage in their mind, in a cage around their hearts where they feel like they have to protect themselves or they feel like they're not worthy of love because of the things people have said to them. I pray that you would invade their minds and hearts with love this morning, Lord. That all of that pain would be broken in the name of Jesus and instead they would begin their journey of healing with you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.